0: Hello and welcome to Health Tech Hour on UK Health Radio. My name is Steve Roost and each week we bring you the best news, views and interviews with the leaders, founders and clinicians who are driving the health tech revolution in the UK and beyond. I am a CEO and founder of a health tech company myself and I'm passionate about the people and companies who are changing the world. Before we start, as always, every week, I'd like to remind you to follow the show, which is at Health Tech Hour on Twitter, Instagram, and LinkedIn, and also follow at UK Health Radio to stay on top of all of the great content that's coming up on the station. Um, So on to today's guest, and um, I'm extremely excited to have another NHS Digital Accelerator alumni on the show. Um, So PocDoc and this company are on the same accelerator and it's an absolute cracker i love the company i love what they're doing the company is called flow which is p-h-l-o and it's a digital pharmacy and the chief commercial officer called adam hunter who's with us now so flow are basically or effectively the deliveroo of the pharmacy world which means that they're the first same day delivery service for prescriptions in the uk and what that means is that you can get your prescriptions filled within hours on the same day and delivered to your door, which, which is kind of an unbelievable service. So we're going to get into the details of how they can actually do that um, when we speak to Adam. So Flow are a Scottish startup success story. And Adam is the man who is heading up their expansion across the UK. So Adam, how are you? Hi, Steve. Yeah, thank you very much. And
1: very well. Thank you. Good. How are things where you are? Where exactly are you? So, I'm based in Edinburgh at the moment. Um, so, it's been rather chilly over the past few days, but it's starting to, to calm down now. And uh, yeah, like, like everyone in the world right now, we, we moved to uh, predominantly remote working uh, this time last year. So, our, okay. our team members are, are all over the UK. And then, obviously, our pharmacy team um, is very much based in, in London and our pharmacy operations. Okay, so you're basically nationwide at this point. Yeah, I think so. I think our further staff members are, are, are looting to, to Orkney at the moment. So oh, wow. we're, we're definitely embracing the, uh, <laughs> the remote working uh, capabilities at the moment. <laughs> Orkney is not, a,
0: not an easy commute to. Well, <laughs> no, no,
1: it's good, but it's, uh, it's good for the good for the at this time to, for, for workers to be able to go and uh, go back maybe to their family homes and things like that and still be okay. able to maintain the, the service levels is, is great. Good. And how is the
0: kind of um, mood in the camp, you know, moving from a, a company where everyone was sort of together in various places to now not being together? How, how, what's the kind of mood like?
1: Yeah, I, I think it's very positive. I mean, the, the, everyone who works at Flow is, is very much dedicated to providing a, a world class pharmacy service to, to our patients. So that really is what drives everybody on a daily basis within Flow is to make sure that we're doing things across all sides of our business. To make sure that our patients get the medication when and where um, they, they need them um, but it has we've had had a lot of changes you know we the beginning of last year we were about 14 people we're now close yeah. to 40 so there's actually a lot a lot of staff members that we've onboarded over the past sort of 12 months that I've actually never met um, yeah. <laughs> and so sort of face face and fresh the flesh so I think that's an interesting true. challenge um, yeah. It makes recruitment slightly slower you need to be a little bit more uh, in depth in it. I also think too, from a uh, from a sort of culture point of view, it's making sure you've got that that transparency within the organisation. So we've we've always been quite good at at making sure everybody can can get involved in different parts of the business and be aware with what other what other areas of the business are doing, and the impact that might have on engineering or design or marketing or, or or pharmacy or operations. So I think just having those regular contacts, it's, it's worked it's worked actually really well for us. Um, but I think everybody is, is keen to be back to some sort of normality where, where we can actually see each other in the face because I think you miss yeah. that sort of off-the-cuff innovation or, or collaboration amongst, amongst colleagues, which I think is hard to, or cannot be replicated in a, in a remote working environment, but I think it's, it's harder to have those natural uh, conversations and relationship building, which is so important um, at any stage of a, a company's life cycle
0: no i would i would agree and you know we've been in the same situation where we we we've hired people because of because we've expanded during covid um not in the same way that you have but as a similar sort of our services became more valuable during the, the crisis and um yeah it's hard it's it's strange to be hiring people that you've that you've never met mm-hmm. nice that's a strange one it's a, a first one for me so um yeah it'd be interesting to see how you've kind of handled that um so the show is in three parts So the first part is a kind of an origins part where we get into a little bit about how you came to be doing what you're doing. Then we're going to go into Flow and all of the incredible things that you and Flow are doing right now, which which is, I mean, revolutionizing the delivery of pharmacy services in the UK at the moment. And then the final bit is really about what the future is like for Flow. And in general, we can kick around some topics of the day, um, you know, potentially connected to covid Potentially not connected to COVID, we have to just see um, whether we can avoid the elephant in the room. Um, So, by background, you are a corporate lawyer, is that right? Sure, yeah. uh,
1: I like to call myself a recovering lawyer, but a recovering lawyer uh, never quite leaves you. But um, yeah, I started my started my career uh, for what it's worth in a a corporate law firm um, in in Scotland, which was an international law firm uh, by by scale um and yeah that that was great i i really enjoyed it but it came quite clear to me that i was more interested in in the in the business side of things and actually executing on ideas and dealing with tangible products and and and, and offerings so um after uh, after a few years in, in law i decided that i needed to to do something uh, quite drastic to to get out of the the, the legal sector and see if there was a okay. need to work in, in in the business community.
0: So what um, out of interest you said that you know being a corporate lawyer never quite leaves you what has what has remained what can't you get rid of?
1: <laughs> well, I mean it depends on who you talk to but um, I think for me it's you know there's a lot of transferable skills you get as as, as a lawyer um, I think your ability to to spin multiple plates your your attention yeah. to detail your analytical skills, so you know, looking at you know a, a problem and seeing it from 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 different angles. Um, I think ability to communicate as well as a, as a lawyer is a very is a very important skill. You know, kind yeah. of breaking down quite complicated legal uh processes and and uh, legislation and then conveying that in a in, a, in a simple and effective way. Yeah. Um. So I think those skills are, are are really important. And one of the things I did get as a as, as a lawyer was that I worked with a whole range of companies from. From you know, kind of family-owned businesses to sole traders to startups, all the way to you know global PLCs. So it was interesting to be in the room in in, in some of those environments and see how businesses dealt with different challenges and, and mm-hmm. how they approached opportunities. So I, I really enjoyed it, but I felt that you know you, you you end up working for a long time, and I decided that if I was going to make a break away from law, I should do it earlier on in my career rather than later. And you know, I haven't, I haven't looked back since I've done that.
0: And did you, um, when you were working with that range of companies, were, were you particularly attracted to the smaller ones or was it not you that the, this kind of startup seed hadn't quite been planted yet, but you knew you didn't necessarily want to crack on with, with the legal career?
1: Well, the, the, the startup piece was always interesting to me because I've always been interested in people or companies that want to do something different and, and move the move the needle and try and change mm. the way that either a society is run or, or the way that a, a certain business is, is operated in. And I've always thought the most expensive words in business are we've always done it this way. <laughs> and, and I've always I've always loved any business, regardless of the sector, that goes, no, there is a different way of doing this. Let's go and do some, something else. So yeah. for me, it was always the startups that were the most interesting. But then on the flip side, the larger companies, they have, you know, different types of problems or challenges and opportunities. So you could see the kind of the thinking behind it and being inside in some of those those deals was was, was quite interesting, which also mm-hmm. became quite public as well. So you kind of knew the inside track on a few things, which which yeah. was, which is always interesting. Right. And so um your
0: your after your legal career, your your kind of your journey if you like with flow sort of I think basically started on a scholarship that you got to the US. Is that kind of you know it was sort of like a very early meeting between you and the founder or what what happened with that yeah
1: absolutely so i wanted to i would had this sort of corporate law background but i needed a sort of bridge between that and and working in a in, in a business so i was lucky enough to uh, be selected to go on the saltire foundation fellowship program which is a an executive mba leadership course run uh, ran by an organization in scotland called entrepreneurial scotland okay and back in 2014 um we did an accelerated entrepreneur Thought and Leadership course at Babson College in the US, near Boston, which is one of the top business schools um, in in oh. the world. And during that course, I was I was very lucky to meet uh, Nadeem Sarwar, who is the the founder and CEO of Flow Digital Pharmacy. Mm. And very good friends on the program. You're you're all living together on top of each other for an intense period of time. So, how long I- are you out there for? So we were out there for four months. Oh, wow, uh, like a proper stretch. Yeah, proper stretch. Monday to Sunday classes, it was nonstop. Um, got to meet some incredible companies, got to some incredible lecturers that, that had been there and done that and now working in, in, in academia, which was mm. very different from the way that it's set up in the UK. Um, you know, we met people, for example, one of our sales uh, lecturers was involved with the he was head of the Fenway Sports Group who bought Liverpool oh, Football cool. Club and he'd been involved in that deal. So you got to meet that type of caliber of person, the kind of people who had been there and done it, but also get to engage with the local Boston ecosystem, which is mm. actually one of the kind of the, the, uh, the seeds of, of, of flow. So Nadim and I and the rest of the cohort um, went to this design thinking agency called IDEO. Okay. Uh, and it was at that point, we came across a American online pharmacy called PillPack, um, which at that point was was quite early stage in its uh, in its life cycle. It re- recently bought for a number of billions by Amazon a couple of years ago, um, but they were on the beginning of their journey. And it was really that was a sort of the light bulb moment for the team in terms of looking at the way that other countries were addressing the same pain points that he experienced mm. as a prescription patient he saw a different way of it doing it in the States and credit to him decided, well, you know what, if we can do it in the States and it works there, then something has to work in the United Kingdom. I just need to work out what that is. And yeah, um, his kind of journey through that, that program, um, I was slightly different. I, when I came back to, to to Scotland, ended up working in the in the drinks industry and working for a, a disruptor in in that sector and, and growing them to an international drinks company was mm. was a real success of mine, but I'd always kind of had a, 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 a kind of hand in flow via my via my friendship with Nadim, and he would okay. tell me the hands and lows about what was going on. And um, eventually, you know, he 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 asked me if I was interested in coming to help get this thing launched and and do what uh, he'd he'd set out to do, which was which was great.
0: Cool. And so this the type Entrepreneur Scotland or Entrepreneurial Scotland. Is that something that anyone can apply for if they're based in Scotland, or how does that? Yeah, work?
1: it's it's not uh it's not you don't have to be Scottish. Um, it's a you have to be you have to be living in Scotland is the is is a kind of the main requisite. And the whole idea is is sort of identify future business leaders of Scotland and give them these an international perspective with international networks to then come back to Scotland and help grow the Scottish economy by either working as entrepreneur yourself, so you know founder and starting your own company, or working within existing companies to help them scale and, 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 and drive economic growth in, in, in Scotland and it's, it's a fantastic program that um, uh, I've, I've been fortunate enough to be involved in with a, with a number of years and I met a lot awesome. of people on that and obviously the, the whole flow story wouldn't have happened if, if, if I hadn't you know met dean in Boston. It's
0: like, a, it's like a love story
1: kind uh, of. Yeah kind I mean it. yeah, it's a sort of uh, yeah definitely has the ups and downs of a love story <laughs> yeah absolutely. So,
0: um, when you, so when you were on this course and you met Nadine um, and yeah. So I'm always really interested in sort of like, you know, how would they, how would they, how, how would the movie play out, right? You know, when you guys yeah. have grown flow to this huge company and you've done whatever you're going to do with it and they write the movie, you know, uh-huh. was it like, was it really a light bulb moment or was it more of a slow burn and it's sort of, you, they kept on coming back to it or like how, how much of an epiphany was it like, oh my goodness we could really do something with this in the UK versus, uh, oh, okay, that's kind of interesting. And it sort of drifts a bit. And then you come back to it and like,
1: how did it sort of play out? Well, I think it was a, a combination of factors. I think one, the whole purpose of the, the the program at Babson is to kind of strip down your way of thinking and rebuild it up again to, to have this sort of idea of um, entrepreneurial thought and action. So mm-hmm. be able to look at sectors and areas and going where are the pain points can I do something that can address those pain points? And then, if you do have something that addresses those pain points, is there a big enough market to mm-hmm. then scale that company up to a size where where you would be happy with your with your revenues, etc.? And um, so, that's kind of the overall purpose of the program is to really change the way you think about business and opportunities um, in in the wider ecosystem. So that's happening on the background, and we're doing that every single day. And we're all living in a kind of Big Brother style house, you know. So it's very kind of immersive in, in and yeah. I think for you know for Nadim, I think it was it was very much a light bulb moment because um, he was a regular repeat prescription user back in the UK. Um, His his career before moving into uh, into Flow was working in banking. And one of his challenges was always finding the time to be able to go to the pharmacy, waiting in the queues, maybe have stock, maybe don't. They're not always open when he's got free time to actually, you know, go and spend that at, at a pharmacy. So that was always a pain point for him. And I think the light bulb moment really for Nadim was actually seeing something where a company had put amazing technology, amazing design and looking at the patient. Journey hmm. and really putting that at the center of everything we've done. So I think from the it was very much a light bulb moment, but that wasn't necessarily what flow is today. I think it started the purpose of, okay. The pharmacy sector in the UK has the same pain points as a patient. I mean, obviously the American and British healthcare systems are very different. Yeah. But the patient experience from in terms of accessing your medication is quite similar. You have to go to a pharmacy, you have to wait in the queue, you have to then pick it up, and everything else on top of that. So those pain points were similar. So from Nadine's perspective, like, well, you know, surely there's something here we can do his previous role in banking he'd been involved in in funding of of pharmacy uh change so had a bit of an understanding of the of, of, of the business model yeah, well, and fair Playton him came back to scotland and decided that he was going to go and try and do something similar to pill pack and what was
0: pill at
1: the time and is it how is it well, yeah what was that well pill an online pharmacy it, it delivers medication to to your door and um, i suppose their defining feature is that for people on multiple medications they'll split them out into these packets so you know monday a.m monday p.m tuesday a.m okay so they'll, they'll sort out the dispensing yeah, thing. All, all dispensing sorted out and then for and it's more for that for that elderly patient group where you know they can just rip open this plastic bag rather than you know i always remember my grandparents with those you know Monday to Sunday boxes, and yeah, and they would
0: put them all in, in the little, little.
1: That always leads to chaos and potential, you know, wrong pills going yeah. on wrong days, etc. So that was the concept of it, but it was beautifully designed. It was, it wasn't healthcare in the way that it was actually more like a direct consumer business, where it was about okay, let's make this as easy as possible for you to order your your medication and get it when you want it. And in a way that's convenient to you. So for that older demographic, being able to rip open the packets, etc., is obviously a big, a big selling point um, for, yeah. for them. And the idea was, effectively at first, was to kind of bring back a similar model to, to the United Kingdom. Um, you know, next day delivery, 48 hour delivery across the UK.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, but to the dean's credit, when he was working out the the business and looking at it, he you know he saw that actually at the time that he was he was getting this off the ground the online pharmacy market amounted to about 0.5% of the total value of the, or the amounts of, of people using pharmacy services in the UK. So only 0.5% of patients were using that online pharmacy mm. um, mechanism to get their medication. So like any good business, you know, before you launch something, you need to talk to your potential potential customers or, or, or patients to see what, what they, what they want from a, an online pharmacy service. And what came out from our research was it was very clear that one um, people did have frustrations around going to the pharmacy and waiting in queues and 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 it didn't really fit their way yeah, of life. I, would, I mean
0: i would imagine that's kind of probably universal give or take right i mean i don't know how i don't know how i've not researched different pharmacy things in different countries but you know I, I suspect people don't generally like standing in queues people generally don't you know like taking time out of their day to do things like that and it's pretty inconvenient if you go all the way down there and they don't have what you need
1: yeah and and that is that is and, and the it kind of fits into a wider society change where we're now living in this sort of on-demand world where you know humans want convenience, they want choice and they want that rapid the, the rapid delivery of their of their services. So that to me is the really important thing um, with, with flow was going, okay, they do want technological solutions. They do want something different from the, from the community pharmacy model or the high street pharmacy model. but receiving medication actually in the mail, heightened that anxiety so and, and i can understand that because you know well, because I mean, in case it got lost or in case something got happened in transit or because as soon know. as it leaves your leave your pharmacy and gets picked up by a courier mm. you are relying on that courier from taking it to agb now 99.9 percent of the time it's it's relatively reliable yeah. but if an amazon order is late for a day and it's a pair of trainers i'm probably going to be okay my medication is late by a day then obviously my anxiety levels are going to go through the roof especially mm. if it's one of these acute medications where you know it's it, it could be the matter of life and death for some patients. And, so, and is it do you have any I don't know if you can do this in a generalized
0: way but for acute conditions how often do people need repeat prescriptions what's the
1: cycle like is it weekly bi-weekly monthly like what what does that sort of look like? For patients on a repeat cycle it depends on the on the medication and and the, the interaction with the with the GPs but on average it's a one month or two month cycle. So okay. COVID, for example, it's been more two month prescriptions being issued yeah. by EPs to try and, you know, kind of alleviate some of the, the pressure on the, on the frontline services. Yeah. Um, but it tends to be anywhere between a month and two months. But it, right. again, it all depends on the types of medications and any sort of follow up treatment you need. But I suppose the one thing, though, that that flow looks at is going, okay, you can put it in the mail order and for those repeat medications, it's, it's relatively straightforward because it's, it's the same days usually each month for, for okay. your different cohorts of patients based on their on their dispensing cycle. But they still have that uncomfortable nature of, is this actually going to arrive at the time that I think it's going to arrive? Yeah. So that was really where flow kind of decided, well, actually, we can use great technology and we can use great design, but actually what patients really want is that same day model where they can actually order on a particular day, book a time slot which suits them and pack it like a delivery order all the way from our pharmacy to their door and that's the whole purpose behind Flow is really our usp fundamentally is that if you're in a real-time delivery area of flow you can sign up for both your repeat and your acute prescriptions mm-hmm. for those one-off um, ailments that you might that you might get over the course of your lifetime and you'll get delivery within four hours and actually our delivery in london at the moment is about two hours and in, 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 so in- just because i mean it's sort of, when you say it like that it just sounds kind of
0: almost too good to be true right i mean <laughs> i know it is true but but um so Walk me through or walk the listeners through if they're not familiar with Flow. Yeah. So how, how does someone sign up to Flow? How do they find Flow? How do they use Flow? Like what, what happens? How does someone get it?
1: Yeah, so it's like, like any pharmacy, whether it's a, a community pharmacy, bricks and mortar or an online pharmacy, um, you nominate Flow Digital Pharmacy as your pharmacy of choice. Um, so so your we, or, yeah. or to your clinician or or the NHS? You can do that either directly via your GP or you can sign up to our our web app on our website, www.weareflow.com click register now it's a very simple process takes less than three minutes you type you give us your basic details your name your address your date of birth your gp um what what where where you where you live um and in the background we're doing some identity checks on there you nominate us um as your pharmacy of choice okay you give something uh called summary care record access which every pharmacy needs in order to make sure that you know any medication you're given by the doctor is not going to have any reactions with any other medication you might be on is it it a way for them to uh, it's sort
0: of like an agreement that they can share and have access to medical information about Yes,
1: every pharmacy needs that so so we access systems like any other pharmacy we access through the the gp clinical records and through the nhs spine which we need those nominations in order to go and do that right and then as soon as we've done that and we've um, we've onboarded you as a patient which i say takes less than three minutes so it's very very simple process at that point as soon as you're Next prescription is due for a, a refill if it's a, a, a repeat medication, or whether it's that one off and the GP's giving you a prescription because you've got chest infection or something like that. That prescription will automatically update on our application, right? Uh, or your account or your flow account that you can access on on any device. You then press that as a request. You request that, that gets authorized by the GP. As soon as it's authorized by the GP as a patient, you can then pick if you live in London in our real time delivery zone. You can pick a day and time that suits you. So, right that's now cool. it's
0: nearly. No what a great service!
1: Do you know what I mean? I
0: mean, like, what? An, what an unbelievable service! Like,
1: it's too really simple. So,
0: like, in, with, with, <laughs> well, I know that you're kind of biased, but um, you know the the the. Like, so within a within somewhere like London, which is one of your, you call it a real time delivery area. Is that your? That's what you say. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. So w- what? percentage of those deliveries are via real-time is it all of them are via real-time or there's some that are on this sort of repeat cycle like how popular is this real-time delivery method amongst your customers in an area where it's available
1: yeah so the way that it works we're a distance selling pharmacy under, under NHS regulation so we have to be able to deliver to any patient in England who wants to use our service so is that the rule that is the rule. So okay. we have a real-time delivery zone in London, and we're going to expand that out in other cities uh, across England this year. But okay. we also offer a national mail order system. So depending on your delivery address that you want, you can choose your type of service that you would like. So yeah. you can, for example, during lockdown, we had a lot of London patients who used our same day delivery service, but then yeah. maybe go back to their parents in Yorkshire yeah. to receive their medication. So it's that patient choice, giving them right. the option of what they want to do. But, the real time delivery part in London, um, that's our that's our preferred option that patients have. So anybody who okay. lives within our delivery zone will pick that option because they can pick a time slot which suits them. So the next time slot is probably from two till six. Um, yeah. you might not be busy. You might be busy two till six, so you might pick six till ten, or you might pick Thursday morning nine nine till one, depending on your uh on your kind of. Convenience and, and how quickly you want it. So, so patients get it there and then, and other patients will book a time slot further in the week. But the delivery mechanism is the same. It's the courier drivers coming from our pharmacy, tracked all the way to the patient's front door.
0: So, it's still the same delivery method, but you can actually pick and choose when you want it. So, let me just get so if you've got a delivery slot, sorry yeah. to go into the details. No, I, no, I'm okay. trying to actually understand how this stuff works. And also, I think it's helpful that to listeners to really understand the, the details of it. So, if I go to doctors. Yeah, in London. And my appointment's at twelve. Yeah, and I'm seen, and the doctor prescribes me some medication. Yeah, the next delivery slot for me in London that day, all things being equal, would be between two and six on the same day. Is that sort of how that might work,
1: or is yeah, it? Yeah, so, so um, it depends on the type of medication. So if, if you're going in for that acute one, so you, you don't usually get medication, and it's a one-off thing. Um, the the, the you can say to your GP if you 're not already registered with flow, you can say, "Can you please send this prescription to 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 flow right. and that will be authorized as a prescription from the GP okay. instantaneously then you will be given the next available time slot for you to right. book it, so you might decide to book it then. And it could be as, 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 as if you get the prescription dispensed uh, offered to you at, say, midday, it could be 1230 as you're 1230 till, till uh, you know, four or whatever to the, the next mm-hmm. delivery slot. So it all depends on because it's all done through the NHS spine and the electronic prescription service. Okay. As long as we have a valid authorized prescription from whether it's a GP or another clinical provider, then we can then, t- and assuming we have the stock, yeah. we can turn that around um, very, very quickly. Um, so That's- yeah, it's time to two
0: hours that's phenomenal so you know you, you mentioned that um to be a distant so is, are all digital pharmacies sort of referred to as distant selling pharmacies in official language in official and yeah official nhs speak you're you're so a nhs yeah vocabulary you're a distant selling <laughs> pharmacy. um and so do they do all distant
1: sellers pharmacies, as part of the gig have to be able to deliver to anywhere in the uk um, anywhere in England, so you're registered per, per per region within the UK. So we're an NHS England pharmacy. So um, in theory, if an NHS patient would like, say they live in rural Cornwall and they want to use the flow service. Obviously, yeah. we we don't offer the same-day service in Cornwall yet, but what we do offer is is, is an is a national mail order service. So we'll right. use a range of different providers from the Royal Mail to DPD and, and, and others. So it's a mixture of, of, of choices. Um, and, and that's the that's the rules and regulations around it and that works for a lot of patients because I think for me it's about patient choice you know some patients are okay with getting it in the mail and they don't mind that that service works for them and, and they're okay with that others yes. prefer the the real-time delivery service so well I think where it's available you're probably going to take the real-time delivery service. yeah I, I that, yeah. that's our hunch and and those who live in the London they will you know. 95% of them will always pick the same day service because they can control it more. And then they've got more trackability than you would if it, if it goes through the, the more traditional uh, national uh, courier providers.
0: Oh, and another random
1: question. If you get a prescription delivered through the mail, like yes. mail,
0: mail order, and no one's there, does no. it go to the post office and you've got to go get it or what happens? Cause that's fairly sensitive. You know, it's yes. quite a sensitive.
1: The, yeah. And that, and that is the real challenge around, around medication. So, um, what we do with our with our couriers is that if the medication's if the patient's not in to get the medication um, for certain for various kind of certain drugs that will have to be taken back and, and kept in a in a in a controlled environment. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you have to you have to go and 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 collect it. So that becomes a real challenge. But what we have done is we try and offset that by providing those live notifications to patients, so that they right. really know when it's going to come in, cool. so that they can do that in a way that that suits them. But there is some there is some challenges around that 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 type of service, and that's why we think that ultimately the real service here is going to be that same day delivery offering, where you can get it in two to four hours. Yeah. Right. In- Week. Because ultimately, for us, we want to go Monday to Sunday, twenty-four-seven dispensing. Yeah. If you're working on the back shift. You yeah. can medication. It doesn't really matter about some archaic nine-to-five opening hours. It's about mm-hmm. convenience and offering that the patient the choice as to what type of service they want to access the medication.
0: Yeah, I, I agree. And w- what's been the reaction from the the you know? Well, there I guess there's there were prior to Flow. There have been digital pharmacies. Yeah, great. Right. So there's that group of people. Then there's also the group of, you know, 15,000 or 16,000 individual independent pharmacies, plus, you know, all of the small multiples and the large multiples by boot. So what, what has the general reaction been across the board from those different sort of groups? Obviously I'm assuming consumers love it. Yeah. One would assume that that's a big tick. <laughs> um, what, what has been the reaction from, you know, more entrenched providers who, you know, are in this space already?
1: You know, I think, um, Ultimately, at the end of the day, of whether you're, uh, you know, whether you're floor, whether you're working on a high street pharmacy, or or you're one of the existing online pharmacy providers, I think everybody's united with the fact that we're here to give patient choice and give them great care. And I think hope so. Well, well, that's the fundamentals of a pharmacy. If if that's not what's driving your business, then then you shouldn't be in you shouldn't be in the health tech industry because you can have great tech and you have great design, but if you forget that at the end of the day you're dealing with people's health. That is the most important thing, yeah. and I think during COVID, um, the, you know, the past year, I think everybody who's working in the healthcare sector, whether it's pharmacies or online pharmacies, primary, secondary care, have done an incredible job in trying to do their their small part in trying to you know fight back against the the impacts of, of, of COVID. So I think there's been a kind of a unanimous um, you know, call to arms across the across the sector. In terms of what the other companies think about, we don't really spend too much time worrying about that. We're worried about what we need to do and how we execute on our on our ideas and our vision for Flow. And the most important thing for us is to make sure that anybody who uses Flow as a patient has the best possible service that we can offer them, whether that's real-time delivery, mail order, whether it's the interaction with our customer service team or our remote pharmacy team who deal with clinical um, issues and concerns that patients might have. Mm. The best thing for us is helping people um, you know our youngest patient is five our oldest patient oh, wow. is 86 now oh, that's, I mean, no, that's great. Uh, it's a massive kind of uh, range of, of people who use the use the platform and you know seeing our trust pilot reviews when people come in and say you know I was I had to self-isolate and flow was a lifeline yeah. um, those are the kind of things that, that get you through it so really for flow what we're focused on is making sure we deliver amazing patient care and then what other people think well, they can think about it as long as our patients are are happy. That's all that matters to us. Good. Well,
0: that is a very noble sentiment. And so, with let's let on on the topic of COVID, you sort of hinted at it there, and you hinted at it at the beginning. W- w- was there obviously was like a step change difference in yeah. in, in many businesses, but, yeah. but for predominantly, you know, health tech businesses, healthcare businesses. So there was like a business that was happening before COVID, and then there was kind of like a business that happened. Sure. After COVID or whilst COVID was going on, what was that transition like for you? Was it, was there a moment? I know um, we're not allowed to swear, but, but was there a moment of like a, oh my goodness moment? Yeah. We, we, yeah I mean, we, uh, I don't know what that, what that reaction was, but, but, but talk, talk us through it.
1: You know, it's, it's kind of because we're still in the midst of it and we're still kind of fighting in the trenches, you know, it's haven't really had time to, to reflect on it as much. I think in a, if I ever get to the point where I write any sort of article about my my career with flow I think this will have a this this past year we'll have a, a good few chapters uh, dedicated to it wow. you know what we, we um the aim of flow when we first started was about convenience patient choice and providing a service that reflected the way we thought the wider consumer society and sector of demands was going so we didn't build flow because we thought there'd be a global pandemic and people would want, you know, on-demand delivery of medication. Yeah. But as a general trend, there was this trend to convenience, to choice, to rapid delivery, you know, targeted companies like Amazon have really progressed that. But it's happening across all sectors, on-demand TV, Netflix, whatever it might be. Yeah. People want it now. They don't want to wait for anything anymore. Yeah. Uh, and that's a change that's happened across the sector. So that was the first idea. And we're going, well, actually, we can provide a really patient first, slick, well-designed, great engineer with great patient care, we can provide flow. Mm-hmm. Now, we launched late 2019, soft launch, um, got into January, started getting a little bit of traction, getting a few patients on board because it's really hard when you first start. It's still hard for us now mm-hmm. because, you know, no pun intended, You know, no one really knows us from Adam. You know, we're still, you know, the general grand scheme of things, we are still a, a very early stage company. But you have to build that trust. And and it's not like you're buying a pair of trainers from us. We are dealing with people's healthcare, So people have to be really, really rest assured that if they do decide to go with you, that you're going to deliver on everything that you say you're going to do. And we get into January. Things are going well. We're working on it. We've got loads of really exciting plans. Get into February. I was over in Italy for the Six Nations game just before kind of lockdown okay. so kicking off and I was like this isn't good because we've kind of <laughs> been in this sort of like I think state of denial in the UK that it, was yeah. not, it wasn't going to come over
0: yeah
1: I came back and I was like look I, th- I remember talking to the team going I think you know we might have to get prepared for this COVID virus because I think it's, it could have a big impact on, on, on how we operate yeah and then it happened boom overnight we're all remote um, credit to the pharmacy team you know I have to give a special mention to them throughout the whole time during the pandemic they've been working in our pharmacy um, in East London um, complete commitment to making sure that our patients get the medication and have some level of control in a rather uncertain time and you know fair, fair play to them because without them you know it doesn't matter about how nice our app is or how good the website is or how good the concept that the demon I have for what the business yeah. could be if you don't deal with the most important thing, which is the patient care, yeah. and reliable, then it doesn't matter um, what else you do and, and credit to them. And our tech team as well for putting together, you know, we were always set up for remote working. Startups tend to be a little bit more agile than, than maybe yeah. traditional corporate. So that wasn't an issue. But we then created systems where we could actually have a red and blue team in and out of the pharmacy. So there was always remote pharmacy support to okay. the through the pharmacists that were actually in in the actual uh, pharmacy unit itself. So that helped too, because it meant that we could deploy other pharmacists to progress orders, make sure that patients were registered properly and allow the pharmacists in the actual unit to just focus solely on getting the medication out of the door. So Mm -hmm. it's a game changer for us. I I think, you know, um, we always saw flow as a generational business in the sense that, you know, if you get patients maybe in their sort of mid twenties to early thirties, you know, they're the type of people that are more open to early adoption of new technology and new ways yeah. of, of accessing their healthcare. You then provide them an excellent service and meet the needs of, of what they want and what they, what they need out of a pharmacy provider. You could then have them for 30, 40, 50 plus years as a, a patient, yep. in theory. If, yeah. you do, if you do the service bit right and you're delivering everything they need you to, then you should have that patient for a long time.
0: You know, yeah, and why would they switch? I mean, switch you know, if the yeah, if the cost of, of, of staying with one provider
1: are low slash zero, you know, why would they? Why yeah, would they? and if you do a good service, it in theory is a stick of, is a very sticky industry because you don't really want to change it because you're used to the way that 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 works, sure. and that was always going to take us time. And you also had to when you're the first of something in any in any sector launching a business. Can always sometimes be the hardest because you've got to do all the legwork and explaining to people yeah, you've got to convince a lot of naysayers that
0: will will tell it's you it's not gonna work. We've done that, we've had to do that
1: as well. We like doing it, but the patient oh, feedback oh, is everything that matters to us. But what's interesting yeah. is that sometimes you know we know when patient tries our business once or tries the service once, they're not they don't tend to go back and 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 move anywhere else because it's sure. so convenient. So But what COVID did was, and I think it did this across society, is that it was a a macro event that accelerated the adoption of tech in every area of our life. It was already happening. Yeah, I would agree with that. COVID made it almost imperative that everybody has in probably everybody listening to this show today. And I'm sure you as well, Steve, are probably doing new things with technology that you probably didn't do back in, you know, early 2020 before the, before the pandemic, or if it's accelerated these, these new ways of doing things. So that's that, that event has has made people more open to looking at different ways of how to access their healthcare. Yep. Um, and, and, that the service for us has been you know, the right place at the right time to, for, for, for a lot of our patients. But we're proud that we're able to play our small role with all the pharmacists, because it's not just online pharmacies that have stepped up during the pandemics. community pharmacists, it's GPs, it's nurses. The whole sector has, has really uh, stepped up to the plate.
0: Yeah, I would agree with that. And just to go back to your point around the generational issue, I know that you've actually embedded flow within certain telehealth, telemedicine providers, yeah. Yes. Um, so talk us through that because that's kind of a I think that's a very clever smart thing to do because it actually provides this it provides more of a seamless experience so mm. someone can now see a doctor online and then be prescribed via flow and have it delivered to their house so it's really end-to-end whereas before one of the issues that I kind of always had with telehealth and telemedicine was that the you could have the interaction the consultation but then but then what it kind of became a bit clunky the yes. then what became kind of clunky afterwards.
1: Yeah. So what a flow doing. That's this. exactly what we thought about it. You know, it was a bit of a light bulb moment um, sort of in sort of 2019, where we realised the way that we were building. So, so we've heavily invested in our in our pharmacy infrastructure and our pharmacy platform that we mm-hmm. use to connect effectively everything from NHS systems to the patient facing apps to our ordering systems for medication. It, it's a very sophisticated piece of tech, and our our technology team have done a wonderful job working with our pharmacy team to build this from scratch. But what we realized from the beginning when we were building this was that actually we were building it in such a way that other healthcare providers, whether it's telemedicine or more maybe traditional bricks and mortar healthcare providers that want to offer remote consultations right. could actually plug into our pharmacy infrastructure and yeah. offer that to their patients so you're you're absolutely right one of the big challenges with telemedicine is particularly if you're in the private space not so much in the nhs because you've got the electronic prescription service but even then that that can have its challenges but if you're in more in the private space um you have your consultation and at the end of the consultation they're like right steve um where do you want to get your prescription sent to and you yeah. might have a community pharmacy on your high street or a Boots or whatever it might be. And you'll say, oh, can you send it to this address? They might be able to send it electronically, but you know, nine times out of 10, they probably can't. So then they have to fax it. Um, you then have to go to that pharmacy because it's private. You don't know the cost of that medication. You don't know whether they have it in stock. You're waiting I don't know if it's they've got the facts because no one, you know, the
0: use of facts is probably not increasing. I'd say I probably
1: decreasing I know. the healthcare system. You know, I think that's the that's the last bastion of it. But yeah. it, it's not a great patient experience. And, and you know, well, no, fact- it's
0: not seamless, it's not frictionless. Sort no. of like I've had a good consultation, the doctors diagnosed me with something, they've told me what the solution is,
1: and it's really painful for me to get the solution. Yeah. Like, how, how do I do that? Exactly. So that's where we came up with this. Well, we could actually offer this sort of powered by flow um, service where actually our infrastructure could be, you know, directly integrated with other healthcare providers, some completely, some in a more kind of uh, Sort of remote way where you where you're doing sort of one page checkouts and things. So it's slightly different depending on the healthcare provider. But you know we provide this very exact same service to to Babylon Health. And yeah, and I can say you said Babylon in our pre production meeting. Yeah. So they 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 use you guys for this service. Yeah, they use it for the service, and and it gives them peace of mind as well because it gives them the ability to track every single me- uh, prescription that they've been dispensed by their team. Right. They don't have to spend time chasing pharmacists and busy pharmacies to, to you know, dispense an order with it, which they might not have been expecting. Sure. We make sure we've got, you know, the typical uh, types of medications that the that, that Babylon healthcare providers might might dis- might prescribe to their patients. Yeah. And that allows us really just to give that seamless digital experience. And it's, again, it goes back to choice. The patient can still choose to go and pick up at the pharmacy. Yep. But if you don't want to do that, you can literally at the switch of a button effectively as soon as you've had your Babylon consultation and you say, right, I want it delivered, you click on that, you'll get what the price of the medication is, what your delivery options are based on your delivery address. You can then edit that delivery address if you want to change it to get maybe, maybe you're just outside the delivery zone with one address, but you're inside the delivery zone with another address. And, and, and that choice there to the patient, and then they get the the same live real time tracking all the way from us getting the prescription to where it's been dispensed to picking it up. And then as soon as if it's the same day offering, as soon as that medication is picked up by our courier driver, the screen flips and like a Deliveroo, you can track that bicycle or scooter or car all the way to your front door within within seconds. Um, and that, and you can do that all on your couch and you don't need to. Yeah. Talk. I mean, look, I, I think it's a,
0: like I said, it's a, a fantastic service and, you know, we talked about before in our, in our, in our pre-production meeting that, that you're not trying to remove choice. It's the act, exact opposite. In fact, you're trying to just offer patients more choice about how they get their healthcare delivered. So what? how do you feel or how... Do, how so I know we've also talked about the integration, um, not technical integration, but more like how community pharmacies exist mm. alongside digital pharmacy solutions like yours and actually how the provision of different types of service are potentially going to be shifting you know they were already shifting but potentially COVID might have accelerated them so I know that you and I talked about this but what are your kind of thoughts on that?
1: Yeah I mean I think that there's a there's an opportunity here for from for a hybrid system between you know what what online pharmacies can do and what what community pharmacy can do in terms of offering a, you know a service and I think you know it's it's health tech. So at the end of the day, we sh- everything that we do, whether we're a, a bricks and mortar pharmacy or an online pharmacy, should be what's best for the patient, patient experience, and the and, and the patient health. And my my view is, and and I think the sector is go the wider pharmacy sector, not just the difference between online and and, and community, just the wider pharmacy sector is going through a lot of change, and mm. um, that's through funding decisions made at central government, to the way NHS is set up, to the demands and the needs of our new patient bases and and growing patient and elderly patient base across, across the UK. If you look at the long-term plan that, that was released back in 2019, um, you know, it seems to me that it's there's more of a suggestion here that actually community pharmacies in the future, and I think this is probably where it'll end up, is that your traditional high street and community pharmacy will be more service orientated. So providing that, you know, frontline clinical care to patients, because there's always there's always going to be a need in a healthcare system for in-person uh, face-to-face consultation yeah. we never need to take that away but it's about getting the right balance between what needs to be done in person and what can be digitally enabled and you need a hybrid of those two it can't be one or the other i think both have to work together so my vision i think the way that it looks like with the nhs plan but i also think the impact of covid will be that community pharmacies will do more clinical care mm-hmm. so uh being almost a triage service for for well, other- yeah or overflow for, for primary care blood tests, looking at asthma, doing doing um, things that can alleviate some pressure on GP surgeries to work through the... Back- must be an incredible backlog of, of yeah. things that need to get done now because... Well, of- there, I mean, there is a massive backlog of, of all kinds of extremely
0: serious conditions. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah.
1: And use the skills of pharmacists because, you know, they, these are these are trained clinicians. They're where extremely well qualified. Can for the do, you can know, do an incredible job. And then what you do then is the online pharmacies then provide the dispensing service of pharmacy care to wider geographical areas so what you end up is you have maybe one or two pharmacies doing a, a wider geographical area rather than multiple pharmacies covering off smaller areas allow those pharmacists to focus on service provision and actually frontline clinical patient care which an online pharmacy could never do no by the only way that, that works though is funding so you know the, the, the nhs funding would have to change to make that um, well,
0: yeah, or and and or they work out or improve their ability to sell it privately. You know, sell those services privately, which yeah. is a separate kettle of fish. But, but if, no. long,
1: if you've got the NHS service, you can then make that available to the to. The, so I think they both kind of work 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 hand in hand. But you know, for me, it's about at, at flow first and foremost. It's all about that great patient care, and then it's about offering that that patient choice. And you know, if patient, there'll always be patients who will want to go to a pharmacy for, yeah. for various reasons. And there will always be patients who, who are looking for a flow type of service. What's been interesting to us is that the adoption of flow, we always thought it as, you know, kind of that 18-year-old to 35-year-old early adopters. Yeah. yeah the, the age range is stupendous. you know, of 86 to, to 5. So you, you're pretty much covering the <laughs> the entire yeah, demographic yeah, right? Yeah. All, our average patient is over 40, over 45. So, okay. you know, they and, and those types of patients, if you think about it, they have they have had spent most the majority of their adult life living in a digitally enabled world. Yeah. The 18 year olds now were born, you know, 2002, 2003. Yeah. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. I mean, they, they have only ever known a technical world. So yeah. for me, it's again, it's about choice and providing a service that is convenient and reliable to the patients. And I think that's what flow does, does very well at the moment. That makes sense. I think where, where we've, where we've thought about this from the the popdoc perspective
0: is certainly in alignment with the, with the requirement now. It was happening before. So when you mentioned the the long term plan, the NHS periodically publishes papers. This the latest one was called the NHS Long Term Plan, which sets out the the future of, of of the NHS across various different ways, which which gets referenced from time to time in the media. Um, and, and one of them is around this more access to remote care. So so care treatment taking place away from um, a clinical setting or, or from a primary care gP clinical setting, so whether it 's in the community whether it 's in a pharmacy, wherever it happens to be, and that, and that 's where we see the the value of, of our technology and being able to facilitate blood testing you know anywhere anytime and I think that that, that has to happen face to face obviously but there isn't necessarily a need for that to happen in a GP surgery Mm -hmm. and given resources or, but I think both on the, I don't know what you think, but from the demand side and the supply side at the moment, there's a constraint on being able to have services facilitated in a GP surgery. So people don't necessarily want to go in as much. Yeah. And there isn't as much capacity for those people to go in. So there needs to be a better way to triage people through that system. Um, but there are still, you know, people that have uh, diagnosed cardiovascular disease, diagnosed type two diabetes, they need regular blood testing of certain things. You know, it has to happen. And it helps you to to identify
1: potential ailments before the yep.
0: early detection.
1: The earlier, like easier you make it to do for earlier detection, the the, the, the cost saving benefits from a society point of view from NHS, the health of the nation is going to benefit from that. And I think you're you're absolutely right. It's about, OK, this was the service that we've had for the past 50 years. What do we now need to do? And when can we use tech to make things easier? Yeah, when do we need that in-person, you know, face-to-face contact and let's create a hybrid system that is ultimately all about making sure the patient gets the best possible care. Yeah, I think it's that. Yeah. So let's
0: let's use everyone's skills to the best of their abilities, which right? yeah. is, you know, there are these, you know, like you and, and and others are doing a fantastic job in being able to you know, distribute um, prescriptions to, to, to someone's door that doesn't necessarily have to happen in a face-to-face capacity. Although if you want it to, then you you can still do that if that's your
1: choice. Yeah, I, I, absolutely. Again, it's all about, for me, it's all about that that choice element.
0: Okay. And so what is, um, what's sort of next over the next 12 to 18 months
1: for Flow? I think, you know, th- this year is, you know, we learned a lot. I think mean, the first thing you can always do is just get your product in front of your patients and actually get yeah. real people to use it because you <laughs> you discover a lot of things that you may have assumed are not actually the case. So we've had a lot of learning over the past year. So we're, we're rapidly um, you know improving the, the the features and the and, and the user journey based on. Based on experience and feedback that we've had over the past year, we're about to launch some native apps in, in, in the Android and, and, and Apple store, which you know um, will. Do you not have apps at the moment, or have you gone? You've got done... web. App. So it, it's a web app at the moment, so you can use that to, to log on via the website, but it's you know mobile, tablet, tablet friendly, etc. So that's one thing that it's, it's quite a minor thing, but it allows people to use it on, again, going back to that choice thing, it allows them to use it on a, on any format that, that they want to see. We right. then want we'll to expand out in, in other major cities. So um, our next city will be Birmingham and then we're moving on to, to, to other cities um, around England uh, later on this year. Okay. continue to scale the team look back to that infrastructure piece that we were talking about. Um, we've got some really interesting uh, features of that that I think are going to be a game changer for okay. pharmacy as a service um, okay. in the future. And we'll be we'll be looking to hopefully launch that at some point this are year. Are they all
0: secret squirrel or can you tell us any of them?
1: It's more of a kind of, it's probably more of a... Um, formulation of what we've already done and make that a little bit more of an actual official offering to to, to the marketplace but I'm um, very confident that what we're going to be offering will be a, a very powerful feature for any health tech company looking to provide that end-to-end digital experience from consultation through to to pharmacy um, and they'll be able to have a various ways of, of plugging in with our systems which will be quite interesting I think. Excellent.
0: Now, I'm going to ask this because I know we spoke about this before, because you're, you're in London, you're going to do Birmingham and then other places, I'm assuming within England. So is there what is the what are the, the challenges that you've that you faced um, in launching in, in Scotland? Is there a different system in place as far as pharmacies are concerned? No, yeah. Scottish
1: business. Well, the NHS is is a, is, a, is an in, is a very interesting beast, generally, right? <laughs> yeah. There is no in, there is no UK NHS, right? It's, no, there is not. It's all, it's all devolved, right? And it has been even before the devolved administrations. You know, the, the Scottish NHS was always very different from from the English NHS and Welsh and Northern Ireland, etc. So, um, every NHS has their own decisions that they want to make regarding where they're going to invest their money and how they're going to deploy, you know, tech solutions. Um, the current state of play in the UK and Scotland at the moment is that they don't have the full electronic prescription service that is required for a company like flow to operate. So we need that full electronic electronic prescription service where a GP can create a prescription on your on your file and it automatically pings the nhs spine which then pings our database that allows us to yeah. deliver you Steve, so you the the, the back-end uh, system effectively doesn't exist
0: in scotland yet for you to do And with. i
1: know they're, they're talking about it and they're looking at it so you know you know of course we would like to to see that but it's the same in wales and northern ireland i don't not a huge expert in it but they also have uh, limitations around how you can integrate with the with with the service so you know we we'd like to work with all in in all regions of the uk if possible yep. you know it was quite it was sad that we couldn't offer you know patients in wales and in northern ireland and in scotland during the mm. pandemic this service that, that that could have really helped people um, well so, yeah because it
0: helped thousands and thousands of people yes. and um, we'd
1: love to have done that in,
0: in in other areas of the uk and is it a technical Obstacle or financial obstacle, because there's a, it would require a lot of investment to to develop that system, and it doesn't,
1: it doesn't, it doesn't exist. Or what do you? What does well, I think it's a case of whether they want to put the upfront investment to roll that out across the a, a, across the country. And I think. Uh, I don't know the the exact ins and outs of 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 rolling out that that type of service but Mm -hmm. Scotland does have a form of the electronic prescription service it's just not the full the full version that 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 they have in England so um, I would imagine there would be some cost around it Um, I suppose it's all like anything in the NHS it's that cost benefit analysis so yeah yeah, but is there is there a good is there a better benefit to have this service for the wider healthcare? obviously as a as a someone who works in an online pharmacy, I would say, yes, there is. <laughs> but, you know, uh, again, it goes back to that choice piece. And I, and I think that if we could operate in these other regions there, then we would, but at the moment we, we're focusing in on England. That makes sense. And so like the, the NHS often likes to think about things in terms of, you know,
0: cost savings or better outcomes. How, how does a digital pharmacy or a pharmacy service, digital pharmacy, distance selling pharmacy, how does that help? either reduce costs to the NHS or improve the outcomes. If you had to express it in those things, I completely understand. There's no question it's a better patient
1: experience. Yeah, no, no, I, I completely understand it. I think the fact though that it is a better patient experience has with better outcomes to the NHS, because yeah. you know, if you're on a prescription that maybe makes your life easier, but isn't certainly, you know, to like save your life. Mm-hmm. So could, you have a skin cream for acne, or there's something that is it's kind of low level, but needs, you know, regular treatment, but if you don't get that regular treatment it could escalate very quickly. Right. Online pharmacy and what flow does by making it so convenient, so easy to use, means that your adherence levels yeah. to the prescription process means that you are going to have a better healthier individual. Yeah. So to make it easier, we also have reminders in apps so people say, look, you know, Steve, your order's due in ten days, seven days, two days to make sure that you don't miss a dose, make it easy for you to get that dose, and then make it easy for you to follow the the prescription that's been offered by the doctor. But also, as well, from a adherence is a big cost to the medication because if people don't adhere to their prescriptions or they don't take the medication the way they should, yep, then it can have real significant impact on the on the overall cost for the NHS. It also increases people's resilience towards certain antibiotics because. They didn't take that properly so they need to go for a different course this time etc so having good adherence has real consequences in the wider NHS, the health of the wider nhs in society
0: that makes sense so look on that note adam it was a pleasure thank you very much for coming on adam hunter from flow so it's p-h-l-o and we are we we are flow.com is that right
1: yeah that's the website you can sign up today less than three minutes I would, <laughs> I would
0: emphasize i would recommend anyone to go and have a look at it particularly if you're in london because it's a fantastic service so adam thank you very much and thank you very much to everyone for listening and we'll um we'll hear it well, well we'll do a sh- another show next week Brilliant. thank you very much Steve Sometimes
1: yeah. I feel
0: like throwing my